Well, welcome to church. Really thankful, guys, for giving us this opportunity to come into your homes and into your cars. And yeah, what an honor it is to worship our King Jesus. Just want to encourage everyone this morning or this evening or whenever you're listening to this that that Jesus is Lord and we just really want to refocus our attention on Jesus. Just want to quieten our hearts and our minds, turn aside from the busyness and from the distracting thoughts. We're going to have a time of worship. We're going to look at His Word. We're going to encourage ourselves around His Word. Jesus, we thank You for Your goodness. I'd like to start off by reading from Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5. And this is our prayer this morning. That His presence would come and invade you. That His presence would come and invade your lives, your houses, your cars, your homes, your families. Isaiah 4 verse 5 says, Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a covering. We just see here God's heart for His people, God's heart for you, God's heart for His families on this earth, that He would be not just a covering, but just He would be intimately in the middle of everything that you do and everything that you think. He wants to dwell with us. He calls you Mount Zion. You are His sacred assembly wherever you are. With whoever you are with, you are His assembly as we come together as many assemblies we come to worship him this this morning may he be so present may he be like a cloud lord we invite you we invite your presence into this worship set come like a cloud come like a fire Let your glory be a covering. Let your glory be like a fire in our midst. Jesus, we worship you. Worthy of 
Fresh, fresh fire. Fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I'm gonna burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I'm gonna burn for you.
build it from the ground up it's your church build your church build your church build it from the ground up where your church build your church build your church build it from the ground up it's your church build your church jesus
Heaven held its breath. 
Till that stone was moved for good For the lame had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who'd come Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence here. You are a God that is so real to every, each and every one of us. As David prayed, where can I hide from your presence? Where can I go? to be apart from you there is nowhere that I can go to be separate from you even if I made my bed in the lowest hell you would be there with me Father we thank you that you have chosen us even though we rejected you you've chosen to pursue us even to the lowest hell. You are determined not to be separate from us. You are determined to pursue us, even though we were determined to run from you. Lord, I thank you for coming after us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are truly the good shepherd. Even you were willing to lay down your life to win us, to pursue us. Lord, I thank you for your relentless pursuit of each one of us. Lord, where would we be without you? Lord, we don't even want to let our minds go down that track because life separate from you is not even worth thinking about. But we thank you, Lord, that you have removed the wall of separation. You've removed sin. You've removed every negativity from our lives. And you've brought us into a place of sweet fellowship, into a place of sweet communion. And for that, we are ever grateful. Lord, we thank you that your word says that the who shall separate or what shall separate us from your love. There is nothing. We declare 
today that there is nothing that would separate us from your love. So we resist fighting and we surrender. We surrender right now. We surrender afresh to you, to your love and to your word. Father, we thank you for your word is transformational. Your word is ever increasing in wisdom and power. Lord, we ask that you would, uh, you would work in our lives today as we hear your word. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Amen. In uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus spoke a parable. He said, The, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. just want to encourage us this morning from the words of Jesus spoken over 2,000 years ago on this earth, but so relatable today. Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven like baker's leaven. And we see here in this small truth that when the leaven is hid in the baker's dough, even though it's a very small, insignificant thing, even that very small fine dust called leaven, as it's hid in the dough, it creates a movement within the dough. It creates activity. And I just want to encourage us this morning as a church uh, just to guard our hearts against being bitter against authority or against the government in putting structures or restrictions on us. And I believe uh, the government's heart is actually wanting to preserve life. And the way that they know to do that is by putting restrictions on us. And we know the truth of God's word and we know that Jesus bore in his own body the stripes that paid for our healing and we know the solution for sickness in the world is through the stripes of Jesus. And we as a church have to take responsibility for failing in teaching the nations of the earth the truth of what Jesus paid for. So I believe we as God's people should take responsibility for that and not put the blame on others. So, just want to point out that every time that physical restrictions have been put on the church throughout church history, uh, there has been a movement which causes increase. And I'm excited about this time. I have a real peace in my heart regarding the church and the increase that's about to happen and is taking place right now. And as, as we go into a, 
a short period, a very short period of hiding, I, I, I just believe there's going to be increase. And as Jesus spoke his word, as the leaven is hid, the leaven being uh, the gospel, as, as the gospel go, gets implanted in the dough, there causes a change in the dough. And God has put his gospel in our hearts and we're hiding his word in our hearts as bringing about change in the dough. But as we go into the community, um, there must come an increase. And I, I believe as, as there's a mixture, you know, as, a mix, as we mix in the community and as we mix in, in our workplace, in our places of work, in our families, we allow the kingdom of God to bring about increase. And Jesus said um, that, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So the work has been done. The power has been released. It's too late. The horse has bolted and the kingdom of God is on the increase and the enemy cannot shut it down. So any outward restrictions, church history proves that any restrictions, any External restrictions on the church causes growth. It causes the church to hide. And as we go into hiding, the leaven uh, brings about movement. So, Father, we thank you for the movement of the local church. Even though we're not meeting in person at the moment, I thank you for the one-on-one meetings that are happening we thank you for the prayers that are going out we thank you for the songs that have been written in in the in the homes of your people songs that are going to go out to the nations we thank you for the poems they're going to change people's lives lord we thank you for the books that are being written right now as people go into into lockdown we thank you for businesses that are starting and I believe this is a time where we need to seek God. And uh, some, of, some of you are, are going to be led into starting businesses in this season. And I encourage you, if you have a, a desire to start a business, don't search the internet, but go into the secret place and get an idea from the Holy Spirit. I believe there's something in each one of us that needs to be released on the earth. There's seven billion people. Uh, people, more than 7 billion on the earth today that need what you have. And God has gifted us with in, to be in an, a season of an era of technology where you can reach the whole world. And the gift that you have within you needs to go out. Needs to, and as, as that, that gift, that leaven that God has put within your heart, as that is released into the world, it's going to cause a growth going to cause a movement in the dough and is, the kingdom of God is going to increase. So I believe there's a song or a poem or a book or a story or a business or an inspirational idea that God has put within each one of your hearts that the world needs to hear. So this is a time to get excited. This lockdown is a time... Uh, where we each one of us can dream again, where the busyness of life stops, the kingdom of God increases.
It's time to do things differently. It's time to hide your life and let the kingdom of God grow. So, Father, we just open up our hearts. We open up our lives to the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would come. You would come in a new way. I ask that you would take away bitterness this morning, resentment. Lord, we just pray for our government this morning. We, we pray for our wisdom, Lord, and we ask that you would cleanse our land. We humble ourselves before you and we seek your face and we repent. We turn from our wicked ways and we cry out to you for our land. We ask that you would bring healing to our land today. We declare City of Sydney is a sickness-free zone. We push back the powers of darkness. We thank you for the reality of the stripes of Jesus. Lord, we pray for the church. We pray that the church, the body of Christ, would be unified over the finished work of Calvary. We declare the healing balm of Gilead to be released over the earth. We declare the stripes that Jesus bore on his back for the healing of mankind to be revealed to this earth in this time. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that there's healing for your people. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, bring increase. We pray for the lonely, the destitute. Lord, we ask that you would bring just one person a day to each one of us, that we would bless one, that we would bring your kingdom, the reality of your kingdom into that one person's life. Help us to bless somebody today. Lord, I ask that you would Help us not to be divided as a church over this thought and that thought. Help us to be united around Jesus today. Help us to be united around the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Help us to be united over the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be united over a transformed life, a transformed community, and a transformed city. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to hand over to our good brother, Sim, who's been waiting on the Lord for some instructions for us from the Word. <laughs> Thank you. Simba. Good morning. It's good to see the few of you who are here and see the others in the spirit who are listening. And um, yeah, I'm super excited to share with you guys what the Lord has been just impressing and, and placing on my heart. And yeah, it's been kind of centralized on the theme of the radiant bride. Uh, yeah, the, the bride that shines, the bride that 
that shows the world who who she's married to. And um, I'm going to actually start by reading a a poem that I, I wrote uh, this week. Um, so if you guys even just who are listening want to just engage your hearts and your spirits just with um, yeah, what the Lord's going to speak through this poem, just encourage you in that. The radiant bride must stand by the king's side, not time to run and hide, heart cry to reside and abide on his inside. Unmoved by changing tide, in her husband she will confide. In her own strength she has not relied. Keeping in step with his spirit's stride, her love's name she has not denied. Hearing each tear he has cried. Upon his chest, his treasure she has laid, seeking the lover of her soul who has saved. Yeah, I just thank you, Jesus, that, that you paid a high price for your bride. You, you paid a high price for us to, to be able to abide in your love. And I just pray, Jesus, just as your people, we would be drawn into the secret, we'd be drawn into yeah, intimacy with you, Jesus. Yeah, the place of knowing you deeply and, and remaining in you. Thank you, in you we are unshaken. You are the unshakable kingdom. Yeah, so I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your spirit yeah, that is powerfully at work in your people, Lord, and powerfully at work in the church. Yeah, and we just thank you, Lord, for your words that the gates of hell will not prevail against the building of your church, Lord. And thank you, your church is your bride. So I just pray as well just for a boldness and a courage to come into the hearts of your people. Yeah, that you would just grip us with your love. Yeah, you would grip us with your, your revelation of the gospel of peace. Yeah, you'd grip us with the revelation of the gospel that sets free the captives. Yeah, that proclaims the, the, the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah, so we just thank you, Lord, for the freedom you purchased for us. I thank you. We're not in chains. We're not confined. Yeah, we are a free people purchased by your blood. Yeah, I just pray that you would touch each of us in this time and, and take us just more deeply into your word, just as we look at your face and just see and, and hear the, the revelation of your plan for your people and just your pursuit of us, Lord. Just thank you for your pursuit of us. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Yeah, so I, I really wanted to just kind of go through a bit of a, a narrative that's consistent throughout throughout the word of God um, that that also shows Lord, the Lord's pursuit of his people um, from generation to generation and, and the consistency and the faithfulness of the Lord. And I'm just going to go into uh, Ezekiel 16. I'm going to start at verse 4, if you guys want to track along with me. And it's, it's the faithfulness of God to, to even his unfaithful people in, the, in this story and, and the, the city of Jerusalem, which, which stands for, for God's chosen city for the city of God is, is personified as this girl um, and, and the husband being God, pursuing, pursuing her and, and coming to her. So verse 4 says, As for your birth, on that day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. 
When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your own blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. I made you numerous like the plants of the field. Then you grew up, became tall, and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you, so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you, and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of pauper skin on your feet, and I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your dress was of fine linen, silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor, which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Yeah, we know that this is actually all our story, even though it's a bit of an abstract story to read, that, that we were in our blood, we were in the guilt of our sin, we were, we were in spiritual death before the Lord spoke life and called us into being and called us into being in Him, which is being truly alive. And we see the Lord's compassion upon His people, which is compassion over us, and we even see the, the beautification of the bride. We see her adorned, made beautiful and made attractive. Um, she is given oil. She is given fine flour and honey. She is made exceedingly beautiful, advanced to royalty. Um, the Lord wants a bride who shines. The Lord wants his bride to shine. And, and the beautiful parallel that we, we see continuous, continuously throughout the Bible is, is the the husband's pursuit of his bride and, and the pursuit of um, our Jesus who makes us his bride. And I just want to quickly read Isaiah 54, verse 5, which says, For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. He is our husband and, and he is our maker. He is the Lord God and he is the God of all the earth. And we are his people, we belong to him. Yeah, we've, we've been betrothed to our king. And he has a beautiful purpose and plan for us as his people to, to represent him. That the very reflection of Jesus' face would be seen upon his people. Yeah, that the glory that he placed on his bride would actually make her beautiful and make her desirable to a nation and nations. That her beauty was made perfect because of his splendor, the Lord's splendor, which he bestowed on us. 
Yeah, so I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for your glory that has been bestowed, your love that has been poured out upon us, that, that you've made us beautiful to draw our people unto yourself, Lord. Yeah. Just want to keep the, the continued stream of, of this kind of prophetic image of the bride arising and shining and, and representing her king, which is also found in Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. Yeah, which prophesies, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Yeah, we know that the light has come, the light being Christ, who has risen upon us, and, and the glory has come upon us. And, and really, it doesn't matter the darkness that's going to cover the earth or the deep darkness, the people, because of the reality of the Lord shining upon us and his glory coming upon us. And, and verse 5 actually unravels the, the purpose of this glory and the purpose of this light coming upon his people, which says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. It says, Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. So there is a purpose for the bride to be radiant for the sake of reaching the world, for the sake of drawing a people unto her, but not unto her for her own sake, but unto her to represent and show the relationship that her husband desires with his people, which we know that salvation has not just been extended um, to Israel, not just extended to the Jews, but it's been extended to the Gentiles, which is most of us. <laughs> and we know that we've entered salvation by his grace through faith, which he has bestowed and given to us as a gift. But Jesus has a strong belief and, and a revelation he wants us to receive that, that false humility will prevent us from receiving because we will not think we are worth shining, we will not believe that we are worth having a nation or kings coming to the brightness of our rising. But Jesus says that in the same way that he was the light of the world, that you are the light of the world, which is talked about in Matthew five fourteen through to 16. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. Verse 16 says, Let your light shine in such a way that, that they actually may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So the Lord is confident in his light coming into us and coming upon us and us being a light to this world. And his declaration is, We can't actually even be hidden. <laughs> Yeah, even though it may feel like we're hidden in these times or hidden in terms of not being able to come together in the way we would desire to, the, the variable is not whether we can be hidden, for we are God's city. Prophetically and, and even realistically, he calls us his city, his dwelling place, the place he will dwell in the midst of. And he says we are the light of the world. So we cannot be hidden even if we try to be because of the light who is in us, the light who is upon us. And the light is not made for being beneath a basket, but is made to be upon the lampstand. 
it is made to shine. We are made to shine as Christ shined in this earth and transformed a whole world by the life he lived. He calls his wife and he calls his bride to become the same as him in this way, to impact the world that she has been born into. going to jump into the, the end of the narrative in some ways, but still revelation for us to, to receive right now, I believe. And it's in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, 8, and 9. And, and John's been taken into quite an elaborate revelation of, yeah, the end times and a revelation of Christ and his bride and his people and as we just read these, I just feel posture your heart in a place of rejoicing because what we're about to read also spiritually has already taken place for it says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so we can, we can rejoice now. We don't need to wait to rejoice. <laughs> and um, it reads, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints it says in verse 9 blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb so we see a fulfillment of sorts in god's desire for his people and god's desire to be to be wed with his people to be married to his people and we see that the preparation of the bride has taken place she has received the fine linen, which is bright and clean. Yeah, the fine linen being the righteous acts of the saints. This is not her own righteousness, for we know that the righteousness of man is but filthy rags. But this is the righteousness of her husband, the righteousness of her bridegroom, who, is, who has given his righteousness to her. But actually, it's an enabling for the saints to act out in righteousness, to act out in a place of right standing with God impacting the world with the good works that he's called us into and prepared beforehand before the world even began. And it says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Which I just want to allow this, this verse to take us actually into Matthew's gospel where Jesus talks about the marriage supper, saying that the kingdom of God, it's in Matthew 22, if you want to go there with me. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. I'm not going to go through the whole parable, but I want to, I want to touch on the heart in this, that, that Christ compares his kingdom, yeah, the, heaven, the heavenly kingdom that he came to bring, that he purposed to bring to this earth. He compares it to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And, and we actually see that the king doesn't just invite those who are originally on the invitation list, but those that actually were originally invited, which is actually Israel, were unwilling to come in some ways. And so then the attendants go and they find those on the highways, the byways, they, they find anyone and everyone who is willing to come and, and invites them, which we actually see is the salvation of Christ, which is offered to the whole world. Yeah, that he came to give his life. He didn't come to condemn, but to save the world through him. 
And, and the interesting part of this story is something that does parallel with this verse in, in Revelation, which is actually there was a man in this wedding feast who was not wearing the wedding garments. And that sounds like a small grievance in one sense, that someone could show up to a wedding and not be dressed in the, the appropriate attire. But this had significant ramifications because spiritually what this was saying to the king who had put on this feast for his son was that the garments I have, my own effort, my own pride, my own ability is sufficient to come to this wedding feast. And we actually see quite a intense reaction from the king to this man, which is he's cast out actually into the outer darkness where there is a weeping and gnashing of teeth. He is not received into this wedding feast, though literally everyone was invited. The context of this is actually that the one who would put on the wedding feast would supply for the guests the appropriate attire, the fine linen garments, which we can see prophetically is the way that Christ offers us his righteousness, which is our fine linen, which is bright and clean, which is beautiful in his sight because it is the very thing he wears that he gave us. We see also Jesus paralleling another parable to to marriage and the, the revelation of his people waiting for the bridegroom to come, waiting for Christ to come, the second return of Jesus, which is in Matthew 25. And, and some of us can look at this story of just being whether there was a wise or a foolish um, virgin in terms of not having enough oil to, to wait for her king, to wait for the bridegroom to come and, and receive her again into the wedding feast but the story really really goes deeper because those who were foolish in this story ask if they can take from those who have enough oil who have been wise and stored up enough oil to not only see out the night but it was it was the midnight hour that the shout came and they had to to go to where the voice was and they needed their lamp they needed the light to carry them there and the foolish ones still go and purchase more oil. <laughs> and they, they actually, because they are rejected by the wise ones to, to share, this is not an oil you can share, which I'd love to um, describe a little more as we go through the story, but they still go and purchase this oil. And they come, they come knocking at the door of the wedding feast, hoping that the bridegroom would, would receive them. Yet again, we see an incredibly strong response from the bridegroom, from the king, who actually says to them in verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. So we see that the oil is not just speaking of some physical provision that means we can see out the night or get through, you know, the night seasons, the dark seasons, which, which will come and, and for some of us is in this season. It may be a night season, it may be a dark season for you in terms of a limitation of freedoms that you have. But, but this oil is not something that can be given from one person to another. This oil actually speaks of a knowing of God. It speaks of an intimacy that we have with him. And it, that is what we'll see through the, the night season. That is what we'll see through the dark season. But it is also what will enable you to be sensitive to the bridegroom's voice when he says, come. And it'll also be the enabling, the oil in the lamp. And we know that the, the lamp of God is actually the spirit of man. 
and, and he wants us ignited on the inside. He wants our spirit man alive by his Holy Spirit. And, and the oil um, does speak of the Holy Spirit, but also speaks of, of an intimacy and knowing of God. For they were turned away from the bridegroom because they did not respond to his voice. They did not have the provision within their own life of relationship and intimacy with him. So they had to go away and try and find it before they could come back. And it does speak of an urgency um, in terms of us needing to be alert and needing to be ready for his coming at any time. But, but where this should push us and where, the, where this should draw us is into the secret place. It should draw us into a place of knowing him more deeply, knowing him more intimately. And, and my prayer even for us as a people is we would grow in sensitivity to his voice. Yeah, we'd grow in sensitivity to being moved by his spirit, being moved by his presence. I'm going to go back to a place in the Old Testament which also speaks of the Lord's desire for, for being betrothed to his wife, being betrothed to this bride. And it's in Hosea uh, chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. It's, it's a beautiful story. It's a complex story in terms of you have a prophet being married to these unique individuals, which is articulating a bigger story a bigger narrative of God's heart for his people and actually enabling his people to feel what he feels as a jealous husband and, and feels towards a wife who gives herself to other things, gives herself to other lovers. But I want to just highlight his response to us and, and to, to the bride, to his people. And, and the Lord says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice in loving kindness and in compassion, and I'll betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. We see such a committed husband. We see such a committed bridegroom to his bride. He's not thinking in terms of an earthly marriage. He's thinking in terms of an eternal marriage to us. <laughs> I'll betroth you to me forever. He's thinking of betrothal in righteousness where he knows he can be joined to his partner because she has been made perfect by the blood of Jesus. She has been made righteous. She's become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is a just marriage. It is a, it is a marriage on, on terms of he has made us um, in his image. He has made us according to his heart and made us partakers of his divine nature. And his heart is one of loving kindness and compassion. If, if you go and read... Even just that chapter of Hosea, you see actually how unfaithful she has been, yet you see the faithful husband's response to her. So his loving kindness, his tender mercy towards us, which we see clearly through Jesus' life. Yeah, the, the, the word of his, of his mercy being his blood. The word of his mercy speaking that better word to us, that he desires us and his compassion for us exceeds that the mercy triumphs over the judgment that we were deserving of, for his compassion and love overwhelms and, and consumes what was to be our portion, which was to be judgment. Verse 20 is significant to me because it highlights that through the betrothal to our husband is a revelation of knowing the Lord. That without actually understanding, he desires us to be betrothed to him. We'll fail to understand him. We'll fail to understand the husband's heart towards us. We'll fail to actually believe that we have been made the beloved, 
We will not see that we are blemish free, that we are spotless or blameless. Because the description he gives to the church in this context is that she is this one who has been betrothed to him in righteousness. If we do not believe we are righteous, we will not understand the Father's heart towards us, the one who made us righteous. In faithfulness, we will not understand that he is faithful to us continually in marriage, that he is like a husband in the midst of these times to us, that he is jealous to be with us, he is jealous for that time alone with you. And you've been made blemish-free, you've been made spotless, for we know that he is the blemish-free, spotless lamb whose blood was given and whose blood has made us clean and perfect and pure and blameless in his sight. But we also fail to see that he has made us a beautiful bride and that we are actually the result of his nature, that we have actually become beautiful by, by our joining to him. I'm going to continue in Revelation with with two more places in verse 21 and it'll be verse 2 where we see John having quite an elaborate revelation of God's people, which is also called God's holy city, um, the new Jerusalem, which in this context is a visible city that he is seeing coming down from heaven. That, that is prophesied as being after the renovation of the world, the future abode of the blessed. But you see the description that's used of this holy city in verse 2. And John says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Another way of reading that, made ready as a bride who had been made beautiful, who had been made attractive for her husband. That the, the very desire and design of, of the bride is to attract the husband, is to, to bring him to herself. But it's only actually by the husband's beautification of the bride. It's only through Christ making us beautiful, bestowing us his beauty, placing on us his glory that actually draws him to us, that makes us a perfect partner to our bridegroom king. Revelation 21 verse 9 and 10 and also verse 11 flows on from this, this similar um, space while John is seeing um, the holy city, seeing the new Jerusalem. And an angel says to him, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And it says that the angel carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. I know some of these pictures are, are a bit abstract in some ways, but I believe they speak significantly into the kind of bride, the kind of wife that, that God desires. And, and these are words to, to one who can receive him as an intimate lover. These are words to one who can receive him as, as the lover of their soul, as the, the husband to them, the bride. But it enables us to see ourselves from his perspective. It enables us to see that his glory is upon us, that he wants a brilliant, shining bride, a bride who is like this costly stone, a stone of crystal clear jasper, which speaks of a crystalline brilliance, a shining brilliance. 
which we honor him by shining. We honor him by representing our king. We, we honor him by representing the shining one, the one who, who dwells in unapproachable light. We, we honor him by being radiant. We honor him by receiving the revelation that he has made us radiant, that he has made us his people. And, and Jerusalem in these two contexts speaks as, as a metaphor for the city of God founded by Christ, now wearing the form of the church, after Christ's return to put on the form of the perfected messianic kingdom. So we see that Jerusalem is a metaphor for us. We are the city of God. We are his dwelling place. And we even see that the heavenly Jerusalem is, is what we are to become, that the heavenly abode of God. Yeah, I also feel to, to read from Proverbs 31, starting from verse 10, which before we go into the reading of, of these verses, I just encourage you to, to posture your heart and position your heart in a place of seeing yourself as, as this bride and as this wife that is being described. Uh, I'm going to read, read this from, from the Passion Translation just to really just to just give a greater description of, of this woman that, that Brian, who, who translated the, the Passion Translation, um, extrapolates and draws out through um, the way in which he has translated these verses, even through the perspective of this being the radiant bride, this being the bride of Christ. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the work of her hands she gives out revelation truth to feed others. She is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes it as her own, carrying it within her. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance and her shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark the night. She stretches out her hands to help the needy and she lays hold of the wheels of government. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. She is not afraid of tribulation for all her household is covered in the jewel garments of righteousness and grace. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as the venerable judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her, and she laughs with joy over the later days. 
Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. The husband says, There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades. But this virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due. For she has become a radiant woman and her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. Something the Lord highlighted to me in, in this passage was that the virtues of the bride are the virtues of the one she belongs to. Some of us might even have difficulty swallowing the pill of the reality. This is how God sees his bride. This is how God sees his church. We may even need healing and yet yeah, a forgiveness towards the church, a forgiveness towards the bride for not representing her bridegroom, not representing her king in the way that she should have. But truly this, this revelation should take us into a place of being unashamed, of being bold and confident because of what Jesus has done, because of what his blood has paid for, that the price paid for her was greater than many jewels. We know the price paid for the bride is the very blood of Christ, that her husband being Christ has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of war, the rich spoils of victory. Yeah, that she is unafraid to go, go in, in in a proactive nature, in, in a non-passive nature, and actually carry the one that is in her, pursuing purity and righteousness, feeding others with revelation truth, even in the night season arising and setting food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. And the food we have to set on the table is, is the very living bread. <laughs> it's, it's Christ. And so there, there's an encouragement for us to, to take hold of this revelation of the bride, this revelation of the excellent wife and actually apply it to our lives and, and see, are we believing that we are this one? Are we believing that we are this one to Christ, but are we believing we are this one to this world? Are we believing we are the radiant bride? Are we believing we are that city set on the hill? Are we believing we have food to give to the hungry? Are we willing to take ownership of our nation, <laughs> to take it as our own, carry it within us like a woman would carry a baby? and labor to plant the living vines, speaking of the living vines of true intimacy with Christ, the abiding relationships spoken about in John 15, that we would be his branches, that we would receive the vine, we would receive the, the provision of everything that Christ's life is in us, which is complete sufficiency. And will we clothe ourselves in, in what he clothes himself in? Will we clothe ourselves in righteousness? Will we clothe ourselves in strength and power? Will we be those who taste and experience the better substance, which is Christ? That is intimacy and knowing him. That creates in us a shining light that cannot be extinguished, no matter how dark the night of this world, no matter how dark, you know, the dark night of the soul that may come your way. If you have tasted something 
deeper and sweeter than anything this world has to offer. And we'll be a people that stretch our hands out. We'll be a generous people like our generous father. Will we extend our hands to the needy? Will we clothe our people in the garments of righteousness and grace that enables you to be unafraid of tribulation? And will we make Jesus famous? This woman makes her husband famous and he is admired by all. Will we be those who show, show the world what one who has fallen in love with Christ to be? Will we show the world what one who is completely undone by her lover? Will we show the world this bride that he paid to have? And will we usher people in through making him famous by showing, showing the world what a person in love with Jesus looks like? It is a mandate and a commission, but it comes from a revelation of knowing who he has already made us. This is not a work to strive for. This is a work to become. It's an awareness of who he's already made you. Your, your bold power is not your own. It says the righteous have been made as bold as lions. He made us righteous. He made us a faith-filled people who can please him. He put his glory on us. He put his beauty on us. He gave us his wisdom. He gave us his Holy Spirit. Will, will we treat these things with reverence? Will we treat these things with, I guess, a deep fear <laughs> of actually knowing that these came at such a high price? Not a fear in relationship, but a fear of knowing what was paid for to give us these things. And will this move us to be those who lovingly instruct, which isn't always just with a gentleness, but with, it, with an ability to snatch those from the fire, we'll be those who are caught up in the love of Jesus. We'll be those caught up in his presence, prioritizing it day and night. For, for even in these times, it cannot be a time where we go without him. This has to be a time where we see the one who is in us, the one who is calling us to himself, the one who is drawing us near to him as we draw near. And the declaration is she has become a radiant woman. And I, I truly believe we'll become this radiant woman who honors her husband by shining the light that he placed on her, by radiating the glory he placed on her. And I believe many will come. Many will come because of this bride. And, and <laughs> the church is, is not going to be saved because it's in disrepair and because it is falling to pieces. The church is going to be here radiating the one that she's in love with when Christ comes and whenever, whenever you think that day may be, which really isn't for us to know, <laughs> but there will be a time where he comes and what are we going to be when he comes? Who are we going to be and who are we, we going to be representing? And we are a victorious bride. We are, we are a beautiful bride. We're a radiant bride. And, and some of those words might be hard to hear for you, but these are the words of Christ upon you. This is the identity he has given you. Because he wants us to shine him. He wants us to represent him so that we can bring those children that he desperately desires to himself. We are his plan A, we're not his plan B. He desires to use the bride of Christ to reveal Christ. And so we are to look like him. We're not to look like this world. We're not to be conformed by the patterns and trends that are present here. We are to be a holy, consecrated people who are living as living sacrifices to our King. Yeah, so I'm just going to just pray in finishing and finishing, and thanks for, for listening.
and uh, just being with us in spirit. The the family of God is greater than the physical gathering. We are we are in one spirit. We are we are together in unity by the Spirit of God. So we just thank you, Jesus, for calling us into one family. That that we are one family under your name. That all the families of the earth are named by you, God. Yeah, and so we thank you, and and we just entrust each family member that that we have in, in our beautiful little family at harvest time, Lord. And we just pray for your provision, your outstretched hand of love, of generosity, of compassion in these times, Lord. Yeah, and I just speak to any stress, any anxiety, and we just declare your government, Jesus, your government of peace to come upon each and every household that is under this family, Lord. And we just pray that your peace would come upon this nation, would come upon this region of the northern beaches lord we pray your peace would just permeate every household yeah that your transcendent peace would come upon hearts and quiet them and still them we thank you that your peace is not passive your peace subdues lord your peace is perfect and, and has a weight and a substance to it because you are your peace jesus when you enter a household peace comes so i just pray that you would enter every household lord you would meet with every person in our, in our people, Lord. Every person in our family, Lord. You would just meet with them. You would just draw them into the quiet place with you, Jesus. Yeah, you would just quiet the chatter that they may have been listening to in, in hearing the news or hearing whatever it is, mainstream media. Just pray that your voice would be so much louder and that would be silent. Yeah, the fear-mongering voice, Lord, would just be silenced by your voice of love. Just pray that your voice of love would just speak into every heart, revealing this truth, revealing this truth of being your bride and being a radiant bride. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for purchasing us. Thank you for bringing us from the blood of our guilt and our shame and our condemnation that we were apart from you and bringing us into your family, transferring us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of the beloved son. Yeah, so I just pray that reality of our spiritual transference would just enter our hearts, that we would receive the reality of being your family, being protected by our father, being comforted by our father, being met by the lover of our soul, being the met, met by the one who desires us more than anything else. Yeah, we just thank you, Jesus, that you have made us so precious in your sight. Yeah, may we not let anything in our minds that has, has told us we are less than prevent us from coming to the greater than one. Yeah, I just pray that we would be able to come near to you. Yeah, in confidence because of your blood. Yeah, entering your dwelling place, entering the place of your presence. Yeah, which is not by steps taken in the natural, but it is by an awareness of you placing your presence in us, making us your home, making us your temple, giving us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I just thank you, Jesus, for your spirit and your presence and just honor you. Just pray you would meet with us. Yeah, this morning or tonight or whenever our family may be hearing this message, I just pray you would come and meet each one of us. Yeah, just refresh us and renew our strength, Lord, as we trust in you. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Sim. Such a relevant and heartfelt God message to us. 
So, yeah, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for your word is true. And, yeah, we thank you for your gospel. It never changes. We thank you for these truths that we've heard today, our eternal truths. They're not truths that change because of circumstances. We thank you, Lord, for your eternal gospel. It always has has the answer and the solution to man's futile problems. So we just realign our hearts this morning that have been um, disaligned. Lord, we thank you for the good news, good news of your gospel in the midst of bad news. But we thank you that the good news prevails. We thank you that every bad news is turned to good news. Lord, as we give our hearts to you, this morning, Lord, and, and we thank you. We thank you that as we go out this week into the world around us, Father, Lord, I thank you we are bearers of your light. Send us out as your light bearers. Send us out as your ambassadors, ambassadors of hope, ambassadors of peace, declaring your gospel. Father, I thank you that you're going to give us ground this week, Lord. We declare that everywhere your people's feet tread this week, you will give them that ground. Father, we thank you for increase this week. We thank you for blessings, increases. We declare financial blessings over your people this week. We declare financial increase. We declare prosperity in body, soul, and spirit. We declare uh, if there's any weary ones, any sick ones right now, we declare healing, we declare peace, and we declare strength. If any are weary right now, we, we declare strength by your name. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for increase this week. Lord, we thank you for salvations. This week, Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, that your gospel is going forth. In Jesus' name, amen.